Well, today we are going to be concluding our series called Picture This, where we take a single graphic and we try to explain God's word through that single graphic. Uh, It's been really fun. There have been highs, there have been lows, but mostly highs. And uh, we're, you know, and so today we're going to be covering something out of a book that I recently read called The Principle of the Path. And it's written by Andy Stanley. If you have never read this book, you should pick it up. It's really helpful. And uh, I'm going to give you a summary, but maybe my summary will be so good. You won't need to pick it up. Uh, And so, but I'd like to begin actually today by talking about a time uh, when my wife and I almost got arrested. Would anyone like to hear that story? Yes. Yeah, cool. So we're, we're out last night, and, <laughs> and it's getting crazy, right? And I have... Um, so anyway, uh, once upon a time, we went to visit my sister-in-law and brother-in-law in Washington, D.C. And uh, Washington, D.C., it's a place where political decisions are made. And these people are... Uh, the, both these people like work in the federal government. They work for the federal government. One of them works for the Justice Department. Another works as a curator for the, in the Smithsonian. They're wonderful people, beautiful people, love them. So we stay with them. And the reason we were staying with them is because we were trying to determine which city we'd want to live in if we were going to start a new church. And so we looked at about seven, eight different cities. And one of those cities was Washington, D.C. And what we did is like we, before kids, we used to bike a lot more. And then after kids, we biked a lot less. And... <laughs> And so we brought our bikes. We're like, we're just going to bike around the city. And we're just going to get to really know it and just pray and see what God reveals to us. Uh, we ended up moving to L.A., so I think you know the answer. Uh, but we're biking around. We're, it's, we're doing all the things and just learning about the city. We're biking through neighborhoods that we later found out, like, hey, that's really dangerous. You shouldn't have done that. I'm like, we don't know. And so we're just doing everything. And then it's time for us. It's late in the afternoon. It's time for us to go home. And so they live in Arlington, Virginia. We were in D.C. And if you know anything, there's kind of like this river that uh, you have to cross. I think George Washington may have crossed it at some point. And uh, we were in D.C. We're crossing back over. And I go, let's do this. Let's go through this way. I look on my phone. I see that there's a map. I know we can get there. Let's just cut through this area. It's going to save us a lot of time. And so what I was planning to do was cut through Arlington Cemetery. Uh, and go through that to get to the roads on the other side. And so, like, we get our bikes, and, like, we're just biking along, and we go through the cemetery, and we're like, this is so beautiful and powerful. All the things that come with Arlington Cemetery, beautiful, powerful, very interesting. And then we kind of, like, are st- find ourselves circling around this stone wall, and we're like, dude, like, the, the map that we see on our phones isn't adding up. We can't quite get to where we need to go. But I see that road is right there. So I think, Nicole, all we need to do is take our bikes and throw it over this small wall. And then we'll hop over the wall. And then we can just hop on this road. And then we'll be right back on track because I don't want to delay whatever, whatever, whatever. So we, we do that. She goes, she's, first she's like, I don't know, Chris. I don't know. And I'm like, stop being such a chicken. So we do it. We throw our bikes over. We hop over. And we take two steps. And I swear, immediately, we are surrounded by armed security forces. Because what we had done is we had accidentally broken into uh, a military base called Fort Myer, where, where a number of generals and high-ranking officials were located. And so there were, they were instantly like, sir, we need you to stand still. And we're like, we're just trying to cut through. We're just tourists. We're just praying about being a church plant. And they're like, we don't care about that, sir. And they detained us at the car. And all these people are driving by just like looking at us. 
And like, we almost like, it was, it was bad. And they ran our, they ran a search on us. They ran details on us. They tried to figure out if we're connected or compromised by any Russian assets. They did all the things. And then they finally go, look, we know, we know that you're just trying to get through here. We're going to let you go. So they guarded, they took us out the way that we wanted to. So in the end, I got my way. (laughs) And, um, and, uh, to this day, well, so we get back to the house uh, there, and we go, hey, we're so excited to let us stay with you, brother-in-law and sister-in-law. Uh, but we need to tell you that, like, uh, this might, like, because our brother-in-law works for the Justice Department, so and he was trying to get in on the Justice Department, so we had to notify him that, like, there might be a record on us. And so somewhere in Washington, D.C., there is a trespassing thing, and that's how we almost got arrested in Washington, D.C. There you go. That's the end of that. Um, but here, why did I tell you that story? I don't know. Uh, the principle we use when we look at a map, the way we think about a map, the way we use a map, the principle we use, uh, with a map applies to actually other areas of our life. And it's today what I call the principle of the path. What is the principle of the path? Well, if you want to check it out on the screen, I'll share it with you right now. Direction not intention, determines our destination. Direction, not intention, determines our destination. The direction that you are currently traveling, relationally, physically, financially, spiritual, the list goes on and on, that will determine where you end up in each of those areas of your life. And this is true. It's true regardless of your goals. It's true regardless of your dreams, your wishes, or your wants. And as a pastor, I have heard hundreds and hundreds of stories of people uh, where this truth is reflected that it is your direction, not your intention, that determines your destination. I've walked with individuals who've had money problems and divorces and lawsuits and partnerships gone wrong and kids that are out of control. And I've listened to countless people tell me about how they wish they could marry differently or spend differently or go to school differently or take care of their health differently. And I've also walked alongside people that have had very positive experiences. They have healthy marriages. They have healthy finances. They have a healthy relationship with God. And the common thread through both the good and the bad that I have seen in people's lives is that God works through the principle of the path. In the Bible, we see that life is somewhat predictable, that God has given us everything that we need to understand the cause and effect relationship with this world. And throughout Scripture, God consistently shares that our direction, not our intention, determines our destination. And so we're going to be taking a look at a set of verses in the book of Proverbs, and we'll be uh, concluding this sermon series. And so, uh, you know, I've obviously called this talk the principle of the path. I'm going to invite God's presence. Will you pray with me? Uh, God, we ask that you would come. And uh, yes, it's really fun to sing worship songs. And yes, it's fun to meet new people. And yes, we want to hear from uh, the, the word of God, God, but we want to experience you. We want to know that you're doing something here in this room with us. So I ask that you would come and that you would speak. Help me to speak as I should. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, there's three realities that Nikki and I discovered when we almost got arrested in D.C. 
about being lost. There's three realities to getting lost. The first reality is this. Nikki and I did not get lost on purpose. We didn't be like, you know what's a good idea? Let's go get lost today. Let's just go find our way into a place where we don't know. Second thing is, Nikki and I never knew exactly when it happened. It wasn't like we took three steps and we're like, well, I'm finally lost. Let me take three steps back and I will be unlost. Being lost is sort of something that dawns on you. You suddenly realize I wasn't lost, but all of a sudden I am. And the third thing about being lost is that the road we were on determined where we ended up. Very insightful. The road we were on determined no matter how good our intentions were, because we both share the responsibility of climbing over that wall, no matter how good our intentions were to get back and cut through a cemetery and a military base, no matter how good those intentions were, it didn't mean squat. Our path, that was the thing that determined where we ended up. So in real life, much like the navigation I use, what do we use to navigate when we're on the roads? We use our phones. We use, maybe if we have a fancy car that has a little computer that can tell us where to go next. But when it comes to our lives, there's no thing like a navigation. I mean, it's hard enough with maps on roads. With, when it comes to our lives, there's no ways navigation. Like there's no app in the whole world that works like this. If you, it won't allow you to put in a starting location, I'm single and I have lots of bad habits, and put in an ending location, married with lots of healthy habits. There's nothing in life that lets you put in a starting location. I have school loans. I have a lot of credit card debt, no budget. And then you cannot designate some ending location debt-free and money to burn. And the same goes, you can't designate a starting point of two lazy, out-of-control kids and then designate uh, two kids on their way to being pre-med students at prestigious universities. Uh, How do we get from point A to point B? Well, there's a principle here. And it's found in Proverbs chapter 3. And I'm going to share it with you right now. In Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5, we read this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. And for those of us who are seeking a path forward, for those of us who desire more, we see that there is a God who desires to make our path straight. The first attitude that I want to share with you on the principle of the path, it's sort of a prerequisite. If you had read Proverbs 1, 2, and 3, and if you read all the chapters in Proverbs, there's this theme throughout that serves as a prerequisite to the verses we just read. And if we had time, we would have read all three chapters, but that's not what we do here. We're just focusing on these verses. And so what is the prerequisite? The prerequisite, if you had read all the things in Proverbs, you would see this. If we want to be on the principle of the path, we need to admit our propensity. Admit our propensity. And you may have like a little chart on your thing. That's your first mountain there. Admit your propensity. What does that mean? Well, we all have the propensity to choose paths that do not lead us where we want to go. Each one of us has the uncanny ability to make decisions that results in ending up in a place that frankly, we never intended to be. 
What do I mean? What does propensity actually look like? Well, I'm going to give you about five examples on the screen, uh, and I want to read them through, and I want you to pay close attention. I know five examples is a lot, but propensity uh, to do the thing that we don't mean to do and end up in a place that we don't want to end up, it's so tricky, it's so slight that I want to make sure that we don't miss this. And so you can follow along on the screen with me, and I'm going to read a few of them. What does propensity look like? Propensity looks like when a married man says, I want to have a great relationship with my wife, but he consistently makes work and hobbies a priority over her. Propensity looks like when a young Christian says, I want to develop a deep and healthy relationship with God, but when he gets up every morning, he plays on his phone till it's time to go to work. Propensity looks like when a newlyweds determined to be financially secure by the time they reach their parents' age, but then they develop a lifestyle of sustained by debt and leveraged assets. And then lastly, propensity looks like when a couple says, we'd like our children to develop a personal relationship with God and choose friends who have done the same, but then they skip church every weekend and head to the beach. The fact is, intention is not enough. Each one of us has the propensity to make choices that don't actually lead us to where we want to go. So the first attitude required for the principle of the path is humility. It's the humility to admit that you don't understand it. What does humility look like? Humility is like, hey, maybe I don't under, totally understand what it takes to go from point A to point B. Maybe I need some help. And so let me ask you a question. Are you in the place right now today where you would be willing to admit that you have the propensity to make choices that might lead you where you don't want to go. Now, if you are, good. You have developed the first attitude for the principle of the path. Humility is necessary. Admitting that maybe we don't understand it. All is necessary. So, um, this leads us to the other attitudes. Let's look at Proverbs 3 again. It reads... Like this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Here we see three additional attitudes from these verses. Trust, lean, acknowledge. What does King Solomon mean when he wrote these verses that we should trust, lean, and acknowledge? Well, trust. First, to trust God means that we don't always trust our experience our insight, or even our education, we choose to trust the wisdom of God. Lean in. What does it mean to lean in? It means that when we compare the conventional wisdom with what we read in the scriptures, we choose to lean into God's revelation instead of our own understanding. It means that when our emotions are in conflict with God's law, we choose to lean into the law instead of Uh, our emotions. We choose to harness our emotions. And then thirdly, to acknowledge, it doesn't mean some obligatory shout out to God. If you imagine somebody who wins an award at award shows and they they get up and they acknowledge their agent or they acknowledge their manager. I just want to thank so many people. First and foremost, I want to thank Jesus Christ and also my manager. Like, and it's not like giving God his props. What acknowledgement means is is that we recognize that God's authority is over every component of our lives. We are to seek, we are to seek and to submit to his will in every area of our life. That's what it means to acknowledge. 
So what, is, what, is it, what does it actually look like when we submit? What does submission actually look like? Well, submission says, looks like this. It looks like when we say, God, even though dating hasn't been going that well and I'm not finding my spouse the way I had hoped, I won't take a shortcut. I trust in what your word says about being connected to somebody who also loves you. And I won't go out with anybody who just happens to ask me out, no matter how cute they are. I won't do it, God. I won't connect myself to somebody who's going to keep me from a growing and loving relationship with you. Jesus, I lean into my relationship with you. I trust what your word says. When your word says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God, I believe that as I seek you first, you will position the person next to me that I'm supposed to be with. I believe that, God. I submit to you in that. That's an example. Another example is when uh, we say to God, we say, God, I'm having a real hard time with my spouse. I'm justified in my argument. I am right. This other person is wrong. They hurt me. I will trust what your word says about being patient and being and having forbearance. God, I trust you with this relationship. I'm not going to quit on this marriage. Submission looks like when we say to God, God, I know that money, you know that money is tight. You know that finances are difficult, but I trust what your word says about giving, about tithing. And God, I understand, from my reading the scriptures, God, I understand it's the only place in scripture where you say, test me. God, this is the only place where you say to test you and test to see if I will not flood open the, the gates of, uh, floodgates of heaven with blessing, God, even though things don't totally make sense with my finances, God, I know that there are other forces at work and I will submit in this area of my life and I will give as you have commanded to, me to give. Now, let me be the first to say that this is a lot easier said than done. In fact, it's downright confusing at times. And I find that people, regardless of how important submission is in the Bible and what we read here about trusting, leaning, and acknowledging, they still feel a little lost. Like, this seems pretty straightforward. Here, you want your path straight? Trust, lean, acknowledge. Trust, lean, acknowledge. But the people still, regardless of that, feel like they don't have it all together. And sometimes they're unclear about their whole life, like everything is falling apart. Or, but most of the time I find that people are just unclear about a specific area of their life. And what I've experienced is that part of the reason that Christians can't grasp why or how that feeling of lostness is connected to submission is perhaps they have not learned to understand the will of God. Perhaps it was never taught to them. Maybe no one ever explained it in church. Maybe they didn't grow up in a Christian home or someplace where this type of idea of understanding the will of God was explained. And so uh, what I'd like to do today is just briefly explain that because it really helps us understand uh, our lostness and the will of God. Let me show you, I have have something on the screen over here. Uh, It is uh, the will of God. There's two types to the will of God. And we see this. We've learned this. The church understands this. We find this in scripture. There's the revealed will of God and there's the hidden or sometimes called the secret will of God. Now, the revealed will of God is what we know. 
We know that the Bible exists and God has spoken through his Holy Spirit and given us the Bible. It gives us ways of thinking and living and being. And it is through the Bible that we understand how God has always participated in making this world what it is. And we hear the stories of Jesus and we understand what it means to live a full life, complete with the fruits of the Spirit, the good things that we want to see in our life. We understand that from the revealed will of God. Now, on the other hand, there's the hidden will of God. This is the things that are more particular to us, the things that we don't know. Like if you go to read the Bible, you cannot find uh, the name of your spouse that you will meet one day. Like it's not that specific, right? But you do have ways of understanding uh, how spouses should treat each other, what kind of spouse you should be looking for, what kind of spouse you should not be living for. So you have the revealed will of God, which has this general understanding, and then the specifics like, where should I live? How much groceries should I buy? Uh, how much air tire pressure should I put in my car? Those things cannot be found in the Bible. Do you understand? I need to make sure you understand this. There's the revealed will of God. It's the things we understand. And there's the hidden will of God, which are the specifics. And sometimes God speaks to us and gives us insight to the hidden or sometimes called the secret will of God. And just as a point of clarification, this is how we understand God communicates to people. On the second part of that slide, there's God speaks. And we believe that God speaks here. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. God and the Holy Spirit are the same. But he speaks through the Holy Spirit in Scripture means like when we read the Bible, sometimes it comes alive, it illuminates, it becomes illuminated to us. He speaks to us through scripture and talks to our minds, sometimes through prayer when we actually are communicating with God, whether we're praying out loud or praying to ourselves. He communicates through the church, which is the people of God. And so sometimes God gives messages to different people and you compare notes. And usually what it means is you get a sense of God's will. And then he speaks to us through our circumstances, Things that happen to us. Those are things, these are all determiners that work together and ways that we are able to understand how God is communicating to us. Both the specific things for our lives, but also the general things that he's already revealed. Now that I've laid all that, let me ask you a personal question. And you're probably not going to like this. Could it be that you feel a little unclear in a particular area of your life not because of an absence of God's voice speaking to you. Could it be that God's voice has already spoken to you and you're just not willing to submit to the reveal will of God, will of God? Could it be that what you should do in your particular situation has already been laid out in scripture and the fact is you just don't want to do it? You see what I often find with Jesus followers who are seeking to know God's will or get a specific answer about something unknown is that they don't often have an information problem. What they have is an application problem. And regularly in pastoral counseling sessions, I find that uh, the lostness of a person is experiencing is rarely due to a lack of information or insight. It's really not that they fail to see trouble brewing on the horizon. It's basically a lack of honesty. And they have a hard time leveling with themselves. They deceive themselves about why they've chosen to choose the things that they have. And they spin a web of excuses to protect themselves, excuses that over time they come to believe. So take financial lostness, for instance. A person will 
this literally will happen to me. A person will come to me and they'll say, yeah, I, I feel buried in debt. I've got, I feel really lost about what to do about money. And they'll say things like, I just need God to speak clearly to me about what I should do. And yes, the Bible's absolutely clear about debt. It says that we should run away from debt. We should flee from debt. And anyone that who, is, uh, who is in debt is a slave to the slave master. We should avoid debt at all costs. Yes, the Bible is super clear to us. But this vacation, but this new car, I need these new clothes, all these things. I need all these things. And yes, I don't have a salary that can justify this kind of spending. And after all, uh, you know, I can, you know, I, I can just carry the balance on my credit card. And they say something like, can you help me understand God's will? God, please reveal your will to me. Thy will be done. <laughs> and when people come to me and say this, I sometimes want to be like, I think God's already speaking to you. You just need to stop spending so much money. Or I say, like, I think God's made it absolutely clear we should live within our means. Are you living within your means? Well, no, but I need God to be clear. Let's be honest. People often know what they're supposed to do, don't do it, and then wonder why they feel lost. People do this with money. People do this with dating relationships. uh, People do this in all different areas. And so if you're feeling lost today, if you're, did anyone hear that horn? Was that a really loud horn? They're lost. They don't know where they're at. If you're feeling lost today, uh, you may have a complicated problem. Your issue, the thing that you're facing, might not be something uh, that uh, applies to what I just said. I get that. We'll get to you in a minute. God has an answer for you too. But for the rest of us, the rest of us, can we just be honest for a minute? Do you have an information problem? Or do you have an application problem? Um, I want to tell you a story uh, about how uh, this, this sermon came about. Um, recently, I was at a spin class in Brentwood, uh, and it's called uh, Soul Cycle. And uh, I was there, and I was in the second row, and I was, I was doing good. I was tapping back, and I was coming up on my right foot when I was supposed to, and all the things. The music was good, and everyone and everyone's just like seeking that spiritual experience. It's what Soul Cycle founders call a secular sanctuary. It's fascinating. It's socially, sociologically fascinating in there. And I go there on Mondays usually to kind of like escape a little bit. I don't. I work Sundays. I don't know if you know that. Uh, and and uh, so I take Mondays off. And I was in there, and I'm in the second row. I think like bike 31. I'm doing great. And uh, I'm sweating, and uh, we, we, uh, the, the instructor, she just starts talking about, uh, some of you are not in this room, and uh, this particular one, she's a little angry. She's kind of like an angry mom, nagging you, and you're like, yeah, mom, okay, I'll clean my room. And so she's, she's kind of nagging a little bit, and she's like, some of you are not in this room right now. You're thinking about that relationship. You're thinking about what you're going to do next. You're thinking about that problem with someone that you're having. And then she's going on and on. And she's like, what I want you to do is focus on that next pedal stroke, that right foot, right foot, left foot. Maybe you just need to focus right now. You need to be present. And she's going on and on. And like, I'm like getting irritated with her, but I just felt like the Holy Spirit came and spoke to me in that moment. 
the Holy Spirit, I felt like, was saying to me that this is a word for us. Sometimes we get so caught up in the future, sometimes we get so caught up in the things we don't understand yet, that we fail to pay attention to what's right now. We fail to pay attention to right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. And when we, and, I, and I started praying about it, and I, what I felt was like when we read these verses, trust, lean, acknowledge, there's still something left in this. And that is, we have to take a step forward. And what we know about God's experiencing God is that God reveals himself when we step out in faith. And you've heard me say this before, faith is often spelled R-I-S-K. When we take risks and step out in new ways, God speaks to us. And we see that he is there for us and he, he is with us and he's guiding us in new ways that we never experienced before. And I just feel like this is a word for some of us. Yes, we know about trust, lean, acknowledge, and he'll make all our paths straight. We don't have an information problem. We often have a first step problem. And some of us today need to step and make that left foot step. We need to say left foot. God, I commit to you today. Here's what I'm going to do with my finances. I'm going to get these things right. And then tomorrow, and right foot, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to live by my budget. And we go left foot. God, I know I'm struggling with this when it comes to uh, my relationship with you. I commit to getting up and having a quiet time. Right foot, tomorrow after that, I'm going to get up and I'm going to have a quiet time, spend time with you. Left foot, I'm going to continue to do the same thing. I'm going to show up to a small group, community group. I'm going to show up on Sunday on time and worship. And, um, and I'm going to keep doing these things. Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. And oftentimes God doesn't reveal to us the whole picture of what he's doing. He often reveals to us what we need to do right now. And so some of us just need to do that. We need to step out and say, God, what are you asking me to do right now? I trust in you. I want to lean into you. I want to acknowledge you in my ways. Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? The principle of the path. Direction. Not intention determines our destination. In closing, I'd like to point out one exception to this principle. And his name is Jesus Christ. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see that his direction and his intention determined his destination. His direction has always been towards us. His intention was to demonstrate his full love for us. And his destination was, frankly, a torture device to demonstrate those things to us. And it's actually really unthinkable. He did the unthinkable thing that his direction and his intention determined our destination. That as we lean into Jesus, his direction, based on his intention, our destination changes. And I'm not talking about heaven or hell. I'm just talking about the general trajectory to have a relationship with God. Everything is open and new because of his direction and and his intention. Caring about our destination. Instead of moving in our own paths, he changed it so we have relationship with him. And the reason I tell you that is not only it's because it's the essence of the gospel. I tell you that today because when we are struggling and working through how our our direction, not our intention, determines our destination, what we can do is lean into and trust that there is one who has gone before us. 
one who understands and sympathizes with us, one who believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. And it's not from our own power that we can change our direction. It is from the power of God accessing his power through him that we change our destination. Amen? Why don't we all stand?